Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Uh, We're delighted to be back, and we're also delighted to have Representative John Bell, who's the House Majority Leader of the uh, North Carolina House of Representatives. Uh, He represents District 10, which is basically Green, Johnson, and Wayne Counties. And uh, John, we're delighted to have you here and uh, want to talk about uh, state government and the current legislative session and some of the things that uh, you think are going to be priorities and things that are going to happen this year and things that ought to happen and the odds of them happening. Well, we can talk about all of them. It's it's very nice to be here and uh, look forward to the discussion today. Well, uh, this is uh, uh, an interesting year. Uh, You are now in your, what, fourth term? Fourth term. Fourth term. And somebody told me it takes about two terms to just sort of figure out the lay of the land. Well, I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, I, when I got to the General Assembly back in, uh, in 2013, walked in the door, and the first thing you had to do, and we joke about it, is uh, if you've been in the legislative building, it can be very confusing. And so we always say, uh, well, the first thing you do is figure out how to get out, and the second thing you do is figure out where the bathroom is. If you can get those two, then you've had a, a good, successful first day. But, uh, you, you know, the, the, the thing that I try to do at the General Assembly is, is one um, – Every time you walk in, in, in those chambers, uh, I always take a moment to look around and understand the importance of, of what it is to be elected to that body. You know, I'm one of 120 members that they get to sit in that chamber and help make decisions that affect over 10 million people here in the state of North Carolina. So, so that's something that, uh, that, that, you, that you take very seriously. But um, the, the, the other part is, is uh, try to learn something every day. You know, our, our state is a growing state. Uh, our state is... Um, is, is is very diverse from from the from the coast to the mountains. People actually don't realize how how very long our state is. Yes, uh, long and narrow. And, and there's a uh, there's a lot of land and territory in between the mountains and the coast. And and learning the issues because what affects eastern North Carolina is different than what affects western North Carolina. And what what affects downtown Raleigh is completely different than what what affects little town Eureka we talked about um, off the air. So. So I'm trying trying to learn the different parts of the state and how to make good decisions is something that, that we try to do on a daily basis. Well, we've also talked numerous times on this program about how diverse our state is also in, in areas of uh, uh, growth and non-growth, actually population losses in some areas. We have some very large counties and we have some very small counties, and each one has very unique and different problems. Uh, and I'm sure you wrestle with that all the time. I do. When I first got elected, uh, I, I got elected to serve in, in House District 10, uh, and that district at the time was um, parts of Wayne, Green, Lenore, and Craven County. So I went right through the heart of eastern North Carolina. And, and, and of course, you know, with the, the Hurricane Matthew and Hurricane Florence and the issues we faced there, uh, not, not just the storms but the flooding and then the agriculture issues, and, um, and of course the loss of population has been, uh, has been some challenges. But now with the new redistricting, uh, I, I get all of Green, a lot more of Wayne, which I'm very used to. But now uh, I move into a little bit of Johnston County, which is the fastest growing state, in, uh, fastest growing county in the state. You know, over somewhere around 300 new residents a month. So, so it, it's it's amazing just a shift in a district line or just going to a different county. The, the different issues that each of the counties have. Well, you you have sort of the, the all three rolled into one. You have Wayne, which is sort of a, a just a kind of an average county, and then you've got Johnston County that's growing like heads and toes, and then you've got Green County, which is uh, one of the counties that's probably losing population. Green County. Green County is a small county. Uh, so it's a, it's a 100% agriculture county. Uh, you know, we, we, we do have um, 
a, a very large complex of state prisons in the Mar Mar area. So we do have to address some of the concerns that are going on with our prison system. But um, for the main part, the largest economic impact there is agriculture, of course, as it is in our state. So uh, so we have sweet potatoes and and uh, and and uh, livestock there in Greene County. Then you move into Wayne County. And uh, not only is agriculture the main point, but also we have um, an entity there that we're very proud of, and that's the uh, Seymour Johnson Air Force Base with the fourth, uh, the fourth fighter wing with the with the Strike Eagles. So, uh, so, and then you move into Johnston County, and you know, we can't can't keep up. Yep, yep. It's it's, it's that, and it's kind of like this. Uh, uh, we've got what twenty twenty five counties that are growing very rapidly, about uh, twenty five or so that are sort of holding their own, mm-hmm. and then uh, another fifty counties that. Uh, Maybe several. So uh, let's let's take a uh, just give us an overview because during the program we'll go into a little bit more detail. But just uh, an overview of what you think this session of the General Assembly is facing, and then later on the program we'll probably go into a little deeper dive on each of the so, issues. So we have a different dynamic in the General Assembly for the last uh, six years since I've been there. Um, Republicans had a supermajority, uh, which is uh, seventy uh, over seventy two members um, in the House. Now we're we're dealing with a more, I would say, d- divided chamber. Uh, you're looking at 65 Republicans, 55 Democrats. So that dynamic and the makeup of the political landscape has changed. Also, we have um, Republican majorities in the House and Senate, and, and and then working with a Democrat governor. So so that that's always interesting and and has challenges along the way. But um, but it also provides us an opportunity to to to, to really focus on governing and, and working with this, uh, with, with what. We think are the main points of what the citizens led us to do. Uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, the, the big issue that we rolled out yesterday, and, uh, and we'll roll out again today, was on um, broadband and um, broadband access. And we have a lot of areas in eastern North Carolina and western North Carolina, but overall, rural North Carolina, that you know fall along that urban-rural divide is what they say that you know, having access to internet is a is a major issue for economic development. We've had a number of uh, different people from different walks of life and different professions have all mentioned that as a big need. It is a big need, and, and, and it's something that you know some of our, our, our urban legislators, uh, you know, really don't understand. They understand, but it's not as important. But they understand that if, if we want to grow equity, equity across across the state, that we have to address. Uh, our, our agriculture, agriculture represents our second, our first largest economic impact here in the state. Uh, $87 billion in growing. Commissioner Troxler said numerous times he wants to get it over $100 billion. Uh, so we've uh, rolled out the Farm Act yesterday, and so you're, you're going to see a push there, and that's another bipartisan push uh, that, that you'll see. Uh, of course, two main ones, um, education and how we address uh, the education system and, and growing and the good things that are going on there. And then, of course, health care. Uh, health care is a big issue, and um, and you know, and, and, and the growing um, need of not only affordable health care, but also access to health care. Uh, so so, so you, you'll see a number of bills that, um, that prioritize around that over the, over the session. And, of course, the state budget is the biggest bill that we pass. Uh, we're in the beginning of a long session. So, so we'll, we'll put together a, state, a, a new two-year budget for the state of North Carolina. Health care is particularly interesting because it's complicated by the fact that the federal government has so much to do with it. And sometimes the state government ends up being reactive to whatever the federal government is doing. And, and so that we, complicates that issue. It does. Uh, health care is, is very complicated because there's no one answer. Uh, you, you can't just say, well, this fixes it. And the big talk now is, um, and, and the governor's pushed this, expanding Medicaid, expand Medicaid, it fixes it. 
Well, well, my argument that is is um, why expand a government subsidized program when the actual problem is access to care and affordable health care? Uh, we've done polls across the state, and and as I've traveled across the state. People are concerned about access to care. They're also concerned about the, the affordability of care. You know, um, you know, how can I afford basic health care coverage for my family? Um, business owners across the state are sitting there saying, you know, you know my, my largest expense now is, is trying to afford health care if I'm able to even do that for, for my employees. So, so, you know, addressing that is, is the main issue. Uh, in, in rural areas, and it's actually kind of we ha- we had this discussion last week with some folks. Um, you know, I thought it was more of a rural area problem, but um, but I was also introduced to some of our um, folks in the urban areas that said access to care is just as a, just as a critical issue, in, in some of our urban areas as it is in our rural areas. You know, getting, uh, re- recruiting and retaining for physicians and medical professionals to come into these areas to serve the population. Uh, in rural areas, we have people that. Um, I may have to drive 45 minutes to an hour and a half for basic health care needs. Uh, those, those are areas that, uh, that we're going to try to address this year in, in, the, in the long session. And hopefully we'll, we'll make some steps. And, you know, a lot of things that we do are a process. It's not just a, a one bill and it's fixed answer. So this will start that process on what we can do to, to address those issues. But, but then trying to balance an act of working w- with the federal government and, and understanding the, the mandates that they send down, uh, send down to us and addressing those as well. Uh, I get criticized because very often during a long session like this, I don't reintroduce our guests and somebody joins the program. So uh, let me uh, reintroduce the fact that we're talking to Representative John Bell, who's the House Majority Leader of the North Carolina House. It's in session, long session. Uh, let's, let's uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting about uh, uh, broadband is some of the people who uh, you, you're talking about how important it is, it helps in health care. It does. Because uh, there is a lot of things that can be done uh, to give access to those areas that don't have major uh, access to uh, especially specialties. Uh, all of a sudden, information can be transmitted. Uh, they can have uh, teleconferences mm-hmm. and medicine by, by uh, Internet. And, uh, you know, one of my good friends in the General Assembly is Representative Jason Sane, and one of the bills he's working on right now is uh, telehealth. And so, so how how can we uh, expand telehealth and being able so so someone can come in? Of course, you need to have the internet access yep. to be able to do that, and, and actually be able to be be seen by a professional, um, maybe may a specialist, um, virtue of online to go ahead and address those concerns before they have to travel in to to a major hospital or or, or come into some of our larger areas. Well, it's interesting how many different areas broadband assists and helps. Uh, you mentioned agriculture. Again, mm-hmm. uh, access to broadband helps even the small farmer, let well, alone the large well, farmer. Well, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of our, our agriculture equipment and our – let's just break it down to our tractors. Um, when, you're, when, you're, when you're planting crops and, and, uh, and, and laying out how you're going to um, – you know, plant that seed in the in, in the field. A lot of that's done with GPS and internet coordination, and uh, of course the 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 banking and the bookkeeping to make the farm successful. Yep. They have to have internet access as well. So, and the detailed weather information now, which is so so uh, detailed now, it just uh, makes. Uh, some well, the, well, the well unfortunately, issues. this year we have uh, <laughs> yeah, well. it's, it's been nothing but rain. Yeah. So, so, so you just had to walk outside to see what day. It's not raining, and, and then you go. 
Well, the Honorable Mr. Troxler says, you know, we can handle too little rain, but we can't handle too much. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. Our guest is Representative John Bell, House Majority Leader, and we will be back with another session right after these messages. I'm Howie Mandel. Did you know attention deficit hyperactivity disorder in adults is a real and treatable medical disorder? I know because I am one of the estimated 10 million adults in the U.S. who have ADHD. The symptoms of ADHD, inattention, hyperactivity, and impulsivity make it difficult to pay attention and focus, be organized, complete tasks, and maintain relationships. I've been diagnosed with ADHD. In my life, I've often misplaced things and have found it difficult to sit down and read a script for work or even have a conversation. You know, the kind when you're actually listening without interrupting. It's never too late for adults to seek help for ADHD and find the right treatment plan. Get information at adultadhdisreal.com and take an ADHD self-screener. Talk to your doctor. The right treatment plan can help control your symptoms so you can stay focused and organized, get things done at home and work, and help improve relationships. Visit adultadhdisreal.com to learn more about adult ADHD. Don't let ADHD prevent you from achieving your goals. I haven't. The statewide Guardian Ad Litem program provides trained, independent advocates to represent the best interests of abused and neglected children in court proceedings, and they need your help. Donate a few hours each month and be a voice for local children, helping them through the court system to find a safe, nurturing, and permanent home. Rise to the challenge and become a much-needed volunteer. Call 1-800-982-4041 or visit ncgal.org. Volunteer for the Guardian Ad Litem program. Be the voice for a child. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is House Majority Leader uh, John Bell. Uh, John Bell the Fourth. Uh, you know we don't have many fourths around. We've got no, some trips and no, I know a couple. Um, is is a matter of fact, uh, I was doing um, some 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 research in in the family. Uh, genealogy seems to be something a lot of people are doing these days with the. With the online portals of of looking up your your family history, and I, I thought I was the first one in, in politics in my family, and I stumbled across an old picture from the Facing newspaper years ago. With my my grandfather was actually one of the town commissioners, uh, John Bell Jr. So um, so so that, that was pretty interesting. A number of years ago, I guess uh, probably beginning with your first session, the General Assembly they be, uh, the General Assembly began to look at tax reform in North mm-hmm. Carolina, and this has been, as you said a few moments ago, a process. Uh, has it worked out pretty much like uh, you were hoping? It has. Um, we, we've actually gone to to other states and and talked about what we've done here that's been successful in North Carolina. But but I'll just recap for for the listeners on what what we've done. Uh, about six years ago, we we looked at North Carolina tax tax code and what was happening, and uh, we had become uh, a, a state, and, uh, and frankly, our tax codes kept us from being competitive. And so, how do you address that? How do you address the corporate tax and the state income tax? Uh, and still be able to, um, to 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 be competitive. And so what we did is uh, we actually um, we we cut we cut taxes. But at the same time, you can't just cut taxes. If you look at what happened in Kansas, they cut taxes but failed to cut spending and ended up in a, in a bind. And so 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 we we, we cut those taxes. We we, we we spread the base out through the sales tax, and we put trigger mechanisms in place. So so once revenues were um, we're coming into the state and we had a surplus, that trigger will reduce the state income tax. And that's why people are seeing more money in their paycheck these days in a reduction in the state income tax. And also, it also did a reduction in the corporate tax. Our, our goal is, is to get that, to, to do the best we can to get it to a zero corporate tax and a zero state income tax. 
that's going to be a process. And where that comes into play is also not only in uh, what it does for the economy, but it's a great incentive to recruiting new industry and new jobs. It, it, it does, and along with our tax code, and, and, uh, and I'm actually going to be visiting him uh, a little later today uh, at the time, uh, Speaker Tom Tillis. Um, instituted a regulatory reform committee because, as we know, taxes are one thing, but uh, really burdensome regulations can stifle business. So, so uh, Speaker Tillis uh, introduced that, and then, of course, when um, Tim Moore became speaker, he continued that. So that's something that's been going on for the last eight years. And, uh, and so tying the regulatory side along with the tax burden side has been really successful for our state. Now you're seeing uh, our, our budgets have surpluses every year. Uh, you're seeing reserves in places where we didn't have reserves before. Uh, you, you're seeing companies moving into the state of North Carolina. You're seeing people moving into the state of North Carolina. We continue to be ranked in Forbes and other um, you know, financial uh, magazines and websites and as being one of the best places to do business. Uh, we uh, Part of the influx of people that we've seen coming to our state are, are job-related, and, and we're constantly having uh, – um, entities and businesses come in and meet with us about coming to North Carolina. Uh, we're very blessed geographically because you can be in the mountains in about two and a half hours and you can be at the coast in about depends on where you live. Uh, uh, we've got you know, great weather. If you don't like it, stick around for 24 hours because it's going to change. Uh, so so we're, we're very blessed with the, um, the, 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 the God-given resources we have here. And then you factor it with a tax code. We become a very, very attractive place for people to, to grow. So, so uh, myself and Speaker Moore and our finance chairs have, have traveled to other states. We were down in Arkansas uh, last year talking with them. And, a, and a, uh, the governor there put a bipartisan task force together to look at uh, how they address tax reform in Arkansas. Uh, they're doing that right now in Louisiana. I've been invited to go down uh, to Louisiana to, to talk with our General Assembly. And, and we were actually held as a, as a standard of what to do. Uh, I, I was joined by Oklahoma and Kansas and others that, that were, were examples of what not to do. And, uh, but having those discussions and seeing uh, you know, you know, how, how really fortunate we are that it has worked here. And, but it's a process, and it's something that we're, we address every year. We're looking at, at it right now. I don't think this session you'll see any extreme tax breaks, but uh, I think you'll see a, a – a, um, a a constant maintaining of of, of of where we're at and continuing to address some of the issues and loopholes that we've been able to identify over the last six years. Well, there's two two sides to uh, job uh, growth and so forth. First of all, of course, uh, you know we typically look at job growth, uh, 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 population growth. As average citizen doesn't realize that actually you're adding taxpayers, which adds more money to the state government because they're anything. And the second thing that's happening in North Carolina particularly is the jobs we're bringing in are higher-paying jobs than those that, that we're losing. Absolutely. I, I talked to a company uh, a few weeks ago, and they're, they're based in California, and they have five subsidiary companies. Uh, and, of course, the, the first thing that they were attracted to is uh, our, our tax codes and, and our, our tax um, based here in North Carolina. Second was our university system. Uh, you know, they have to be able to to, to, to re- recruit and retain a well-educated and prepared workforce. So, so coming to the Research Triangle Park is very attractive then. Now, with their subsidiary companies, be, be, because they want to move them here as well, uh, it, you know, you're, you're looking at areas in rural North Carolina 
uh, where in some areas you have let's just take for a wine example your median household income is around around forty thousand a year you go into some of the the more rural parts of our state where you know thirty two to thirty five um, thousand a year is a median household income and these jobs are coming in at fifty sixty seventy thousand starting pay uh, I know there's been companies announced over the last two years that you know their average pay is around eighty to a hundred thousand dollars. Um, that that's a huge economic boom to to the area because people don't realize that if if you know these companies are coming in, they're hiring our our good North Carolinians. Uh, people have more money in their pocket. They're they're going to buy gas and knickknacks and and go to restaurants and and now now that one time a week they're eating out may result in two or three times and uh and it has a, a reciprocal effect and that's why you're seeing business boom here in North Carolina. Well, it, as you said, we've got all the advantages. Uh, I, I, I've been guilty of being sort of uh, looking at North Carolina through uh, rose-colored glasses, but I always tell people there's only three kinds of people. People who live in North Carolina, people who wish they lived in North Carolina, and people that don't know about it. And, <laughs> uh, it, it was very interesting you mentioned that. The company I referred to that was coming from California is uh, you know um, they're, they're actually relocating people from from California and and, and New York to, to come into North Carolina because because uh, they found it and they, <laughs> and they loved it yeah. once they got here. Well, you, you know, you mentioned the university system and uh, it's got its uh, a, a series of problems and uh, and uh, uh, but it is one of the crown jewels. And as you travel around to the other states, uh, people fail to uh, the average person in North Carolina just doesn't realize. How our university system is envied by all the other states in the country. It is. Uh, I'm I'm very blessed in the area I, I live in. I'm I'm an hour from from East Carolina University. Uh, what the Brody School of Medicine at ECU has done for rural health care is is a story that should be told, and we should be so proud of. Uh, that entity alone has put doctors in all 100 counties. Uh, you tied in with the dental school that not just has a presence in Greenville, but also throughout the state. Uh, you know, you know it's, it's been amazing. You, you travel down where, where I'm really proud of is, is UNCW and the growth that's grown there. I, of course, I'm an alumni, and, uh, and, and, and the impact that that's having to our coastal communities in southeastern North Carolina. And Appalachian been a, State, and, it, it, and the it, list it, goes on it, and yeah, on. Yeah, you got to cruise on over. Yeah. But I'll tell you one huge success story that I, I encourage people to go see is on what's happening at, uh, at, at UNC Pembroke. Uh, we have been able to to work with the folks at UNC Pembroke, but it started from a group of of community leaders that got together and said, "Hey, you know, we've got to we, we've got to bring jobs to our community. We've got to improve the education system." Uh, they went out and uh, and helped recruit a chancellor, Robin Cummings, that came in, and that, and and UNC Pembroke and what's going on there is a huge success story. But then, of course, you have our our two major flagships here, uh, UNC University of North Carolina, and what they've done. Um, well, I mean, they're they're actually larger than our state because they 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 help affect um, our whole country, and and what the graduates are turning out there and the medical professionals and, and the research dollars they bring in is the, incredible. The research dollars is amazing, and of course you travel a couple miles uh, to the east from Chapel Hill and you got. North Carolina State University and what they're doing to feed a hungry world is absolutely amazing. And those two uh, flagships, as far as uh, research, are sort of tied together at the hip because so many things that uh, are grants uh, at Chapel Hill depend on a program or two at state and vice versa. We are, we are truly an envy of the country of our university system, and, um, and uh, I encourage our in-state residents to take full advantage of the opportunities yeah. they have here for their higher education needs. 
Well, it is, and it's a balanced uh, thing because, uh, uh, as you said, you pointed out the regional universities that do so much for their regions, and then you've got the two flagships, and it works well together. And uh, that's uh, sometimes it's a little hard to balance out uh, where you put the dollars. But the truth of the matter is, both of them need. Uh, need, need we the do, dollars. and 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 that, that there are priorities on our budget list, and uh, you know, I, I would be. Um, uh, I would have some people upset if I also didn't mention our fabulous community college system. Oh, oh yes. Uh, and, and what our community college no. system and, and putting the tools and retraining folks and, uh, and adapting and moving throughout all our communities. Uh, we're, we're, the education system we have, and, and there's people that say we have problems, and, and of course there, there's problems everywhere. But for what, what's going on in North Carolina with K-12 education, our community college system, our universities, is uh, it, it's truly a, a gem and uh, – and it's something that we should be proud of. Well, and, and as we talked a good, as you said, we talked a good bit about the university system, but especially in, in job development, uh, the community college system plays such a vital role in training and, and retraining. And, and people need to uh, also understand that we're going to roll out a 24, 20, uh, tw- I believe it's $24.3 billion budget this year. 57% of that budget is education. And that is K-12, that's our community college system, that, that, is, that is also our university system. That's not counting our pre-K programs, which come out of health and human service side, so you add that to additional. So close to 60% of our state budget uh, is based on education. House Majority Leader John Bell is our guest, and we'll be back with another segment of Carolina Newsmakers right after these messages. I can help the next customer over here. Oh, thank you. Wow, that's a lot of books. Let's see. How to keep your child safe. Child-proofing your home. Child-proofing your yard. Child-proofing your in-laws' home and yard. Well, I'm guessing you have a little one at home. Yeah. Well, it looks like you must take good care of her. Oh, thank you. Now, let's see. Parents' Guide to Safe Toys. That's a really good one. Parents' Guide to Safe Foods. Parents' Guide to Safe Safety Products. Parents' Guide to Parenting Guides. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and other safety tips. Of all the things you can read about keeping your child safe, the most important is attached to the back of their car seat. Read the instruction manual and learn to use the latch system. It makes it easier to be sure your child's car seat is installed correctly. Parents' Guide to Telling Other Parents How to Raise Their Kids. To learn more, go to safercar.gov. Anchor, tether, latch, the next generation of child safety. A message from the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. When we get old, will you take care of me if I can't get around anymore? Of course. We'll find a way. Are you going to take care of me if I can't see anymore? I'll read to you every day. And if one of us gets Alzheimer's disease, what then? Call 1-800-437-2423 for a free booklet on caring for your loved ones from Alzheimer's Disease Research. 1-800-437-2423. Now once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers, Representative John Bell, who serves as the House Majority Leader of the state of North Carolina. As our guest, we're talking about the things that the General Assembly is facing during this session of the uh, legislature, which is in session in Raleigh. And I jokingly have told people I never feel real real safe when you guys are here in town because I just don't know. Well, and you shouldn't because we like to go home and get to work. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, so, so the quicker we can handle business and get out of town, the better. 
Well, you know, it's, it's always funny about uh, long sessions and short sessions. Sometimes the short sessions are longer than the long sessions. Sometimes we, I feel like we never leave. Uh, and, and that was, uh, you know, we, we stayed in session one year. The long session went from January to September and then got called into a special session. And and then it rolled into a, a short session. And I was like, man, I'm just, I'm, you know, I love y'all, but you know, I, I, I don't, don't want to <laughs> hey, see you for hey, a you're while. you're nearby. <laughs> Well, you know, one of the things that uh, is uh, surprising to some people who d- don't live in, in the uh, in the capital is how much activity goes on in between sessions. Uh, there are a lot of study commissions and work groups and so forth that meet, and so much of the work that you do in the sessions uh, has to do with these work and, and study programs. We'll, we'll have a number of oversight committees that they go on through the interim, and they deal with a whole range of topics from building codes to, to of course, the, the education. Uh, they go into uh, disaster recovery. Uh, any 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 items that we need to take a deeper dive into um, will, will be addressed during that. And what happens is a lot of the bills that you will see come in and, and be filed this session are actually recommendations from oversight committees or work that have been done for the last two three years in some of these oversight committees. You mentioned uh, we talked before that you're in your fourth term. When you came in your first term, uh, just what was the first biggest surprise you had about the way state government really works when you're looking at it from the inside instead of the outside? Well, well when I, it's overwhelming. Uh, you know, I, I really uh, I, I knew state government was big, but I didn't know how many tentacles that there actually was and how far-reaching it was. Uh, the the other issue that well, the other thing that was amazing to me is how busy busy we are in North Carolina because we're um, we're in a keep up mode. Uh, look, look at tra- let's take transportation for example. Uh, I did not realize until I came into the General Assembly that uh, North Carolina maintains more roads than any other state in the country outside of Texas. Yeah. And so w- when, when you think of that alone and the infrastructure that we have to not only upgrade but but all, but also maintain, uh, over the years in a state that's grown in 10 million people, just the sheer volume of transportation and infrastructure needs across the state is is, is really mind-boggling. That's just one section. Then you get into the other sections of government, and whether it's through general government and the actual the actual funding of government itself. Then you go into the Health and Human Service Society, education side. Uh, there's just so many different pockets and, and, and so many tentacles out there. So the overwhelming size and scope of it was, 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 was pretty amazing. Um, the, 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 the best thing that I have learned and, and got to experience when I walked in the door is how many amazing people take their time, put their lives on hold, put their name on the ballot, and run and get elected to office. Uh, whether you're Republican or Democrat, whether you're in the House or Senate, uh, there's 170 people that 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 love this state that do everything they possibly can even though we may disagree and we may fight tooth and nail but um but that's the beautiful part of our system is that we have people from all different walks of life all different views all different opinions come in and really try to do what they feel like is best to to make our state better and and that's the that's the amazing part about the way our state government is set up i want to change and talk a little bit about the so-called rainy day fund which uh, very often has been used for weather emergencies. Mm -hmm. But it's more than that because in a state that has a balanced budget requirement, you're always going to have ups and downs in the economy. And actually, the rainy day fund is 
uh, is a, an insurance policy against all sorts of things, not just weather emergencies. It's been known, I guess, for that. But the term rainy day s- sort of implies that it's just for weather emergencies. It, you know, when, when we came in, when, when, I, when I came into Raleigh back in 2013, we looked at some of the issues that we were facing, and we, we did not have reserves. And I, as anyone knows, uh, you know, uh, when, when times are good, times are good. But when times are bad, you, 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 need to, you need to prepare for those. And so when we look at whether it was our unemployment insurance, I'll take that for example, we had about a $2.5 billion debt that we owe to the federal government. Uh, that's not good. Um, our rainy day reserves, uh, as you call it, our, our state savings account had been depleted. Uh, we did not have reserves in our Medicaid rolls, and so we were we were finding shortfalls all throughout state government. So, so the first thing that that we did, and and I'll I'll, I'll give her credit, is uh, Representative Julia Howard took on the task of uh, of trying to fix our unemployment insurance, and uh, you know of course that that went into uh, working with you know, with then Representative Falwell, now Treasurer Falwell. Uh, and and they they teamed up to really make this happen and and the work Representative Howard did not only repay that debt back in record time but now we have a surplus so if we do have a downturn in the economy we can tap into those reserves as well and won't have to penalize our, our employers. Uh, you, you look at what's happened on the healthcare side, putting reserve in some of these um, because 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 we we do have a growing state so we do have to pay for these Medicaid reserves to be able to plan and strategically lay out a budget knowing that that, that if something does go wrong or, or, or we do have more folks on Medicaid than what are expected, we can actually tap in those reserves. The, the next one is is what you just mentioned, the rainy day reserve, the overall savings account. Um, we, we, we got criticized for, for putting close to $2 billion in that, in that rainy day reserve. But I'll tell you, um, if we would have an economic downturn, our state is in such a fiscal great shape that that we would not have to raise taxes we would not have to make drastic cuts to our budget we could tap into our reserves weather the storm and then when times turn back good we can move forward and the reason that's so important uh, i think is because the very when the, there's a downturn in the economy the very worst thing you can do is increase taxes because that increases the downturn but but when, when we talk about increasing taxes let's Let's be sure people understand that that, that is taking money out of hard-working citizens of the state. Yeah. So, you, so you penalize the citizens of, of the state to, to to fund to, to fund the government, and uh, and and we've pre- we've prepared so we won't have to do that. The the other thing I will address on the rainy day reserve is um, I had firsthand experience of what Hurricane Matthew did to Eastern North Carolina. Yes, and a lot of people forget that at the same time we were underwater in Eastern North Carolina. Western North Carolina was on fire with forest fires, so so we were battling two fronts with with um, you know natural disasters. Then we roll right into Hurricane Florence. At the same time, we're doing the disaster relief you know budget for Hurricane Florence. We get hit with Tropical Storm Michael. During this time, we have tornadoes come through and hit Guilford County and destroy three schools in Greensboro. Um, We've been able to to pay for a lot of the recovery efforts on the state side. Use use our rainy day reserve dollars to match federal um, to match federal dollars and bring those dollars here to North Carolina that we would not have about eight years ago. So 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 it it does pay off, and for those victims of those natural disasters, I, I know they're very happy that we had those reserves in place. Early in the program, you mentioned health care is a major problem, and uh, we also, of course, mentioned the fact that. Uh, 
This one is somewhat complicated because this is not only a state matter, but it's also a federal matter. And when one takes an action, the other has to react to that. So where do we stand on health care and what do you see as the solution at the present time to our uh, uh, opportunity to increase access and also at the same time attract uh, an attention uh, focus on affordability? Well, we've got to look at other options that are out there. You know, j- j- just expanding Medicaid is not the answer, and people need to understand that expansion of Medicaid is the, the first leg of a Medicaid for all proposal that you hear talked about in Congress. Which to, to let your listeners know, that has about, a, and we did a fiscal note on it last year, it has around a $72 billion price tag. We only have a $24 billion budget, so, uh, so, so the dollars and cents don't add up for that happening uh, here, here, here in North Carolina. But what we have to do is we have to look at other options that are out there. One, we talked about the telehealth earlier and the options there through technology to be able to go out and use uh, technology for access to care. Number two, we have to look at other avenues to, to offer affordable health health insurance products, and whether it's opening up competition across state lines, whether it's working with our federal partners to, to reduce some of the, um, the, the impacts that uh, Obamacare had. But, but there, are, there are some solutions out there. You look at association health care plans to allow um, associations and groups such as the Realtors and Chamber of Commerce and different organizations to team up together to purchase health care products that can actually benefit their employers and at lower costs. Um, we have to look at uh, you, you look at re- recruitment. How do you recruit uh, not only medical professionals, because we, we get a lot of them coming in to Duke and Chapel Hill and East Carolina. How do we keep them and retain them in eastern North Carolina and western North Carolina, our rural areas that, that need these professionals? Uh, are there grant programs that we can put in place? Are there, are there um, uh, programs that can be done to say, hey, you know, if you'll come in and serve a, a, a underserved area or a rural area or uh, um, a, 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 uh, an underserved urban area, you know, can we look at some type of tuition reimbursement you know, um, issues there. I think there's a the whole whole other um, group of issues. Do we look at, uh, you know, and I have to be careful when I say this because uh, we, we, we get two extreme sides. Um, but, you know, we do have certificate of need laws here in the state that need to be revisited and looked. Uh, maybe we can tweak those so that way uh, our medical professionals can offer the, the type of care that's needed. But at the same time, we have to be very responsible because if you um, if you completely do away with certificate of need, you could put our rural hospitals in a really tough place, yeah. and, and we definitely don't want that. So trying to find a balance and act there. So so there's other opportunities within the current system we have that we can um, that we can address. The, the big issue that we face, which is a crisis not just here in North Carolina but across the country, is the opioid epidemic, uh, and that gets into our mental health side. Do do we need to look at investing? more money in mental health, which is what we're doing here in the state. And uh, I'm right in the middle of that with Cherry Hospital and Oberry Center and uh, and our drug and rehabilitation programs that are going across the state to try to address this opioid epidemic, this mental health epidemic. And um, and you see some of that starting to trickle in through um, in, in Wayne County. Um, a, a good good friend of mine, Miss Phyllis Hill, is running our Wish Centers and Dr. Taylor down in that area, uh, which is putting health care professionals in our schools to address mental health and health care needs to keep these folks out of the emergency rooms, which is where the cost factor comes into the taxpayers and also really stifles our hospitals. Representative John Bell is our guest, and we have one final segment coming up on Carolina Newsmakers, and we'll sort of review a lot of the things we've already talked about and look ahead at what the General Assembly will likely do during the rest of its session. 
Uh, We'll do that right after these messages. From all walks of life and in nearly every corner of the globe, Habitat for Humanity volunteers come together to share their time and their hearts with families in need. Men and women, young and old, the experienced and the beginners. And while they are all different, they are also all the same. They are all builders, dreamers. Through determination and perseverance, in the heat and the cold, in the early dawn and sometimes late into the night, together they offer new hope and an opportunity for a better life, working side by side with Habitat Partner families. Together we can eliminate substandard housing. Won't you join us? Support Habitat for Humanity in your hometown or wherever your heart leads you. Volunteer, get involved, and help build it. Visit us at Habitat.org. I'm not staying home tonight. I'm at school all day. If they want me to do the work, give it to me while I'm at school. This guy has me coming to work 10 hours a day. So what if I didn't finish school? That doesn't mean he can work me like a dog. Hey, man, I need a few bucks. My car's busted and I need some cash. Hello? Hello? Every decision you make has a benefit or consequence. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the United States Air Force. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Another reminder about this program. A number of stations carry a half-hour version of this program. If you'd like to listen, if uh, you happen to be listening to one of those stations, there were two other segments. And if you'd like to hear those, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear those two segments. Our guest is Representative John Bell. He's the House Majority Leader, and we've been talking about North Carolina state government and the current session of the General Assembly. Uh, and he's right in the middle of all of that stuff. Uh, I guess stuff is a good term to use because it, it, it is stuff. It is. Um, there, there's different stuff every day. Yeah. And um, that, that's one of the, the fascinating parts. I'll just tell you, I, yesterday was a long day. Um, there in Raleigh, we had um, we had the Farm Bureau folks come into town. So we had uh, a lot of our farmers in town. We had... Uh, um, we, we had our um, medical assistants from Campbell University were in town. We had the home builder folks that were coming in later on. We had pharmacists in town. Uh, and uh, you, we had our historic tax reservation people come into town. So it's, so every 15 minutes is something different coming through. And, and this is so important because while they are putting a spin on it from their point of view, this is where you get information. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes lobbyists get a bad uh, uh, rep because uh, uh, most of the lobbyists I know in Raleigh, and there are a lot of them, uh, usually come in with a sort of story. Let me tell you our side of the story. I mean, yes, it, there is another side of the story, but this is our side of the story, and that's useful to you. It is. It is because we, we, we have a, a limited amount of time to make decisions, and, and, and you try to make the best decisions uh, with the information you have at hand. And so uh, a lot of lobbyists, a lot of the good lobbyists come in, and they're able to tell both sides of the story. And and uh, and, and if you, you know, talk about the, the side they're leaning on, leave you information, then you hear from the opposite side, and then you, you're able to collect it all, digest it, and hopefully make the best decision for the state. Well, it's uh, and of course there's X amount of dollars in the available, and so you, you have to then start making some hard decisions. Yep, there's excellent, uh, you know, twenty four billion dollars is, is a lot. 
Yeah. Um, but when you're talking about the needs of the state of North Carolina and a growing state, it, it goes pretty fast. And some of those do- dollars are already uh, are already um, um, re- restricted on what we can do and how we can do it. And so, uh, so, so when you get down to what we call the discretionary funding or, the, or some of the non-recurring dollars, uh, those dollars get limited, and so you have to spend them wisely. Earlier, you mentioned uh, early in the program we were talking about broadband access mm-hmm. and how important that is, especially to have it in the entire state and what it can do as far as uh, helping in so many different areas. How much of the budget is going to be allocated to broadband access, and wh- how will that be spent? Um, I don't know just yet because we're, we're releasing. You, you, you're going to see three to four bills over the next couple of days. Uh, I know Representative Zoka out of Cumberland County, Representative Dean Arp out of Union County, uh, um, and you have Representative Don J- Josh Dobson, uh, Representative Don Jason Sane, um, uh, Representative Lisa Barnes, who's a new member, who's actually broadband's a big um, push for her and what she ran her campaign on out in Nash County. Uh, so all these folks have been working on different issues. But what I think at the end of the day is you'll see um, something that comes um, comes across the finish line that, that not only probably has some type of grant program to where – where people can tap into helping us. We can help local governments with some infrastructure. Uh, You're going to look at um, 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 a bill that will be pushed and supported by not just our telecom companies but our local co-ops and something that we feel like everybody can get around with not not just access but also being able to help implement some type of grant process with infrastructure to help a lot of our rural communities. How long will it take to see uh, reaction and and, uh, progress in this area? Uh, well, we've made a lot of progress over the years. Uh, now, instead of having now, North Carolina's in better shape than absolutely. a lot of states, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't realize, but through the initiatives of the General Assembly and, uh, and and work with our Lieutenant Governor, who helped make this a priority, is that we now have internet access and broadband access in all of our schools across the state. That's a pretty big accomplishment. Yep. Uh, a lot of I think we're the first state and only state to do that. So, so, so we, we've we've made a, a lot of headway in this. Now we're dealing with pockets. And, you know, it, it, it's expensive to run fiber. I and mean, we have to look at ways, you know, are, do, do when we, are when we building new roads in, in the areas, or are we upgrading roads and buying, um, and, you know, and building the roads and buying right away? Do, do we go ahead and lay fiber as we're doing that? You know, but that's working with our federal, federal partners as well and some of the infrastructure grants that they're putting out. So, uh, so, so you're going to start seeing more progress on this. Uh, you, you're going to see um, – um, cell tower connectivity, where you're able to put a, a, a transmitter on cell towers, water towers, et cetera, to get to some of these harder reach areas. But um, but I, I would say if, if we're lucky, we're able to get these bills passed through um, by June or July time frame, and people should start seeing that by the end of the year. That's, uh, that's a good report. Um, so, uh, you know, we didn't even touch on transportation, uh, which is a, a major concern, of especially a growing state with uh, – uh, the traffic problems we're beginning to develop. Uh, uh, that's a that's another one of big our one of our transportation chairs, uh, Representative John Torbert, um, jokes that our, our new state symbol is an orange barrel. <laughs> well, and so, and so when you look at um, what we've done in transportation, is um, is we the first thing we did is we capped the gas tax. The second thing we did is stop the transfer from the highway trust fund into our general fund. Which allowed more dollars for transportation. We also last year um, did, did a bond that dealt with um, highway construction and upgrading, and that's why you're seeing the uh, such a big ramp up of construction projects. 
we mentioned earlier in the program that North Carolina maintains more um, more state roads than any other state outside of Texas. And so, so when you look at the infrastructure we have currently in place, what we have to maintain, the new roads you see coming online, uh, in, in rural North Carolina, we look at transportation as connectivity. In urban North Carolina, you look at it as congestion. And so, so how do we maintain those, grow our infrastructure, and, um, but, but also continue being the good road state? And so our transportation chairs have a, have a big uh, task ahead of them, but they're doing really good. And uh, hopefully you'll continue to see the progress as you travel through the state of North Carolina. So uh, House Majority Leader John Bell, as you go back to your office uh, after this broadcast, what's at the top of your list for the for the next couple of weeks? Well, f- first what I want people to know is that uh, we we work for you. Uh, every one of the 120 members of the House and 50 members of the Senate work for the people of North Carolina. You are our boss, and I take that very seriously. So just because I may represent a, a small district in eastern North Carolina doesn't mean – that, that I, don't, I don't represent the people as a whole. Uh, my job as a majority leader is is to listen to the concerns of all North Carolinians, but also work with our members to make sure that they're successful. That way, they can return back home and 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 be successful for their district. And so that's what we focus on day in and day out. That's what I focus on today on how we continue to make North Carolina the best place to to, to live and do business and raise a family. Well, it's a it's an interesting situation because you make choices every day on. Uh, uh, which direction the state's going? Some of them are short term, some of them are long term. Well, and and we try to do our best, and and and, and sometimes we may make a mistake, and, and and that's okay. And but but you've got to admit you made a mistake, and you and and you, and you got to move on. <laughs> but um, but you know, o- over over the tenure I've been to General Assembly, and, and we said this earlier, uh, there's some amazing people that that serve our state, that get elected to office, that. That fight for their region, yeah, fight for their district. You don't get district. big salaries. No, no, you, 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 <laughs> you definitely do not do it for the money. Uh, you, you do it for the passion and love of North Carolina. And, I, and I, I'm just honored to be, be be one of the members that they, they get to do that and represent my community and, and, and work to make our state a great state. Representative John Bell, House Majority Leader of uh, the North Carolina House of Representatives. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing these insights with us, and we will look forward to having you back on for an update and a progress report. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, who uh, will have another interesting guest for us next week on the same group of stations across North Carolina. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com. CarolinaNewsMakers.com. So to next week, same time, same station, all across North Carolina. Have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to CarolinaNewsMakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers.